0: Woy, boy, 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 Then he then go on the radio again. Yo! If you want to smoke free weed, go buy yourself you need to go plant a seed. Go buy yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go buy yourself, go buy yourself, go buy yourself.
1: yourself. Hey, all right, welcome to episode number 43 of Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great show for you guys today. Uh, first, we're going to talk to Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Then, we have the Power Pot couple Taylor Blake of Emerald Cup and Shiloh Massive of Massive Creation Seeds uh, talking about their life in the Triangle and Mendocino County. We have a great cultivation segment for you guys on odor control and filtration, strain of the fortnight, and as always, grow Q&A. So stick around. Episode 43 is coming at you. Grow bud yourself. All right. Welcome to episode number 43. Thank you, as always, to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the incredible reggae tune that opens up the show. And here we are, episode 43. Mike, how are you? How you doing? Well, so far, so good. Nice. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, I'm happy.
2: Yeah, um, why Why are you so happy?
1: I'm happy that New Jersey uh, took a step forward. Let's not say they legalized entirely, but let's say they took a step, a huge step forward uh, with their law that was uh, written in by the governor and uh, that legalizes uh, certain amounts of cannabis and uh expunges records and, and, you know, takes a step forward. Like I said, there's no home grow, um, still some issues with social equity, uh, still some issues, uh, as far as, you know, uh, penalties for, uh, underage use and possession over six ounces or whatever, but Hey, you know, it's always two steps forward, one step back. And it's, uh, I think it's a huge step forward, uh, for New Jersey. And I think it bodes really well for the whole East coast, And uh, I'm excited. I think Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, uh, all these other states are going to follow suit uh, pretty rapidly. And we're going to see a sea change in uh, marijuana law and policy in the Northeast. And, you know, there's going to be the corporate thing and that's all going to happen. And we're going to have to fight for home grow and social use and equity and all of that. But those are that's the fights to come. And, uh, you know, let's take this win. Uh, as a win and understand it as a win and continue the fight.
2: Yeah, it's all you can do. It's pretty incredible that New Jersey beat New York to the punch. But yeah, they they sure did. But it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, I think we're all just really glad that the governor finally signed a bill that, that legalized cannabis and got rid of those uh, minor pot possession arrests and charges. And, uh, you know, maybe in a future show, we'll really go over what that law is and how they got there. But For now we should just say congratulations and uh yeah let's uh, smoke one down new jersey for sure you know a friend of the show is actually
1: in jail right now uh for cultivation in new jersey our friend mario Mm -hmm. um from Bud you so you know we need these laws to change uh we need people to be released from jail as quick as possible and then you know we keep the feet to the fire of the politicians and we keep changing the laws in our favor but um as mentioned you know we're moving forward and the whole region is, and I think that's a great thing.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and you know, the reason that we probably got to end the, the conversation there on New Jersey is we have a jam packed show with a ton of great grow info and, uh, and interviews and wonderful stuff. But yeah, before we, uh, move on, we should just read this, uh, last week. It was our 42nd episode and you dubbed that the, um, the Jackie Robinson episode. Yes
1: that's right yes jackie robinson well, we
2: got some we got some listener feedback on that so we should just maybe get into that real quick Stone root wrote hey i love the show one thing though as someone from the bean and i guess that means boston uh, <laughs> that's right yeah you meaning you Denko, seem to have forgotten my childhood hero mo vaughn uh red sox number 42 maybe you're a bit older oh well keep up the good work hmm
1: yes no that's right big mo uh definitely a hero of mine in my youth as well uh amazing power hitter for the Sox. uh a uh, larger fella you know which i always appreciate the uh you know the guy that can fill out his uniform a little extra the
2: big boned gentleman yes
1: yeah like who was our pitcher uh with the mets that yeah he hit that home run one time and it like made national news oh uh, yeah <laughs> do you remember him for,
2: uh yeah bartolo cologne bartolo cologne yes. yeah is that homer was
3: it the biggest google bartolo
1: cologne uh home run if you want, <laughs> if you want to see a, a a big pitcher hit a hit a, a whopper but uh yeah man move on yeah hey kid you know socks <laughs> you see, yeah, I, I, I
2: never uh, hated, Mo, I'm a Yankees guy. I've never hated Mo Vaughn because that's back when you didn't have to worry about the Red Sox. They just weren't going to win. But it's still fun year. to watch.
1: And, uh, you know, Fenway Pack, you know, you go see, see the big guy, Mo. Uh, Poke one over the monster. <laughs> All our European fans are like, what's going on? What are they talking about? No, I. you know, Messi had a couple goals. The other day, so we'll t- we can talk football too, real football.
2: We're gonna break out the uh, the sports podcast at some point, but yeah, today on drugs. Sports on drugs, yes. But today we're we've got just way too much stuff to present to you, and uh, I, I think it's all gonna start with a with an interview with Dr. Mitch.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's get to that immediately because uh, we always love having Dr. Mitch on the show. And uh, he always comes with the insights and let's chop it up with him.
2: All right, and uh, welcome back. And we are very fortunate once again to be joined by our friend, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, a professor of psychology up at SUNY Albany and also the uh, author of Understanding Marijuana, The Parent's Guide to Marijuana. Thank you once again for joining us, uh, Dr. Mitch.
0: Always a pleasure, guys.
2: And it's been a little while, you know, since we've had you on the show, and there's a bunch of stuff that comes up that we always would love to get your opinion on. So why don't we dive right in? And the first thing uh, that Dan and I were talking about that we really wanted to get your take on is there's sort of a a trend going on in the country right now where psychedelics are being legalized, um, you know, a psilocybin was legalized last election day in Oregon, but, but different cities across the country, uh, like Ann Arbor and Santa Cruz, and most recently Cambridge and Massachusetts are taking it upon themselves to legalize psychedelics uh, by city ordinance. So so what's your take on that?
0: Truth be told, I'm relieved and happy, but I guess that's not going to be a giant surprise. I just wrote a paper about psychedelic psychotherapy and how it could be done, but also The title has how dire is the need in it and we've got depression literally on the rise over the last few decades for reasons we could all hypothesize about and the efficacy of our current treatments is not what we might have thought at one time so truth be told if 65 percent of your clients are getting better you're killing it like you're really doing well and that's with psychotherapy and antidepressant meds together we got to do something like that's just not good enough. Right. A 65 is enough in my class. Like That's, that's a hard lesson to learn. We are seeing pretty promising data from that Johns Hopkins lab and some of the ones in the United Kingdom sug- suggesting that we really could do pretty well with this, but you've got to have good preparatory sessions, trained guides who are going to literally help you, you know, get your eye mask on, listen to music and keep focusing inward and then follow you up for a little while to make sure you know you get to integrate it all, learn, learn the lessons that might be helpful. Now, hot off the press, I do just had a paper published in Journal Psychopharmacology. A lot of the subjective effects of psilocybin that they think predict antidepressant effects, you can get from THC, or at least people claim they can. And so I would not be stunned if a cannabis-assisted psychotherapy uh, is worth pursuing. Um, and if anybody wants to you know, run their own little session and, and be part of a small sample study, I've got some surveys set up, and the week before you might tell us how you're doing the day before, the day after, things like that. But the bottom line is it looks like this uh, oceanic boundlessness, this sense that you're one with the universe, seems to predict better effects in the long run. And we've got some new data that I'm not sure if anybody's going to let us publish saying that also your dysfunctional attitudes, Can get challenged when you're in these sorts of settings so things like uh i've got to be really good in at least one domain or i'm not worthwhile right which nobody nobody says oh i really believe that but we all kind of carry that around a little bit and to have uh a chance to really believe it less if you know what i mean then that could really stay with you and could really improve just the content of your own head, which is often a source of a lot of depression, that rumination and perseverating on negative things, it it creates for a bad outlook, and then suddenly you're interpreting what comes to you in a biased way. Anxious people tend to uh, see a sentence like, the doctor was impressed with Mary's growth as, oh my God, she's got cancer. And other people are like, oh, she grew from this tall to this tall, like, It's funny how it literally alters your perception of the world. If you haven't done a psychedelic, there's no way I can describe it to you. Literally none. But there are moments in there that are both challenging and enlightening, including some where you realize none of this is all that important. And things that I thought I'm so guilty of, I could let myself off the hook about and, I can repair with friends if we've got a ruptured relationship. And it's that stepping into activity that my lab has shown, at least with the Ayahuasca crew, that part seems to predict bigger antidepressant effects as well. So I can't pretend like you're just going to go trip and suddenly everything's going to be great. But compared to standard antidepressant meds, the SSRIs and things like that, you feel better seven hours later. You feel better a day later. If I've got somebody in therapy and they're feeling better in two weeks, I feel like I'm the man, right? So I do feel like that rapid onset, especially for high suicidality, people who've been depressed a long time, folks who are struggling with end of life, like cancer-related anxiety, they all respond well. And I really would love to have us be able to do this research. I wouldn't be stunned if Harvard and places around Cambridge suddenly start proposing some things now that they've got a little less pressure on them from Cambridge itself. I I sure would love to have the data. Maybe we're going up a blind alley, but since literally the late fifties, we've been talking about this and in, you know, in the real world and the indigenous folks, they've been doing it for eons.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just, it, it seems so wild because if psychedelics weren't illegal, I think they'd be welcomed with such open arms by, by uh, uh, psychologists and all, you know, everyone, I think, you know, it's like you can either take this pill twice a day for the rest of your life and it might help a, a small percentage of people or, you know, have a one time experience that really changes your outlook for a long period of time. I think that that type of trade-off would be taken in a heartbeat, except for the fact that, oh, we made these things illegal in the 60s. You know, a doctor's oath is to help people. You know, it's to do no harm and to try to do good. And if these things do good, then why not?
0: Exactly. And it is pretty paternalistic to say nobody can have this at all, right? I don't mean that everybody should just try the home game. I'm a little apprehensive that all these little clinics are kind of popping up and you have no idea what the training is for the folks who are there. But I do feel like someone who is a competent therapist and a well-trained guide could have a a stellar impact right in their own community without a ton of effort. I don't think anybody's going to become a millionaire over this, which is the other thing. I feel like much like we saw with the green rush, like there's going to be a bunch of companies that all try to beat each other out for somehow, uh, you know, getting a protocol and having to be theirs and people have to pay them or something like that. I, I just don't see that really happening. And truth be told, I don't want it to be. I would emphasize too, though, with the religious use, both pay and Ayahuasca, they do it once a month or so, right? They do every full moon or something like that. And it's, all done in a group. So with your community, in a sense, so you've got the built in reinforcers, social support and things like that. And we just aren't there yet. So people are running them one at a time. There are two guides in there just to keep an eye on you. But I got to admit, I'm sure people must relish looking around and going, here's my tribe with me. And I'm, you know, weeping or dealing with something, but I know I'm part of a togetherness i'm part of a crew that yeah. that would make anybody
1: feel good you know for sure and especially when you're talking about in terms of end of life experiences or people that are suicidal or you know in end of relationships and things i mean what have you got to lose why why not
2: yeah and and it will be interesting to see uh you know what the effects are of some of these local ordinances and if the uh, the trend in legalizing uh psychedelics continues the other uh, substance that's obviously undergone a lot of uh, law reform of late is cannabis. And, uh, you know, with legalization, sometimes for some people can come increased use. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some people trying it, you know, for the first time. And, uh, you know, that that could possibly lead to some problems. And you uh, were telling us to just recently that you have some insight into uh, predictors of cannabis problems, right?
0: I was really delighted, and I'm not even on this paper. It's my former student, Alison Luby, my first SUNY Albany grad, and uh, her husband, Kyle DeYoung, who was also in the program, have a really huge sample essentially showing that there's some key uh, dispositions, traits, characteristics, if you will, in folks who tend to be more likely to develop problems and some key expectations they have about cannabis. And they're often folks who are having a hard time regulating their own emotions And who kind of run to cannabis to do it for them. Now, I'm not going to wag a finger at anybody who at the end of the day goes, I, I need a bong hit. But then you kind of assess the world, savor the moment and remember how you solve problems and that things are really going to be okay. It's the folks who time and again do that and only that in order to get rid of any negative affect that end up having more problematic use. So you guys might remember my paper from a few years back, Don't Wake and Bake. We are seeing the the early morning users more likely to develop problematic use. And your definition of problem is always uh, an issue, I think. And folks who just can't seem to turn to anything else other than cannabis to improve their mood, it's time to learn some new skills and they're out there. Not just meditation or hypnosis or wild things like that, but even paced breathing, right? When I'm really anxious, I catch myself (laughs) and you just like, it's that simple sometimes. And lo and behold, as folks learn that, um, some data uh, in my lab that another student showed is just that ability to savor the moment to essentially relish any positive experience on your own is a wonderful buffer against cannabis Problems, and it doesn't even have to be a a high moment. But I do kind of love those guys who can, you know, sit down with one strain and the next day have another and talk about how they're different and really relish that whole subjective experience. Why not do that with everything pleasant in your life and really make the moment?
2: Yeah. And uh, now just for our listeners who might be confused when they hear the, you know, the idea of problems and cannabis associated, are we talking about this in the way that pretty much anything as a crutch is a problem or is it something more specific about cannabis in your opinion?
0: Well, it's funny because I still always feel like the worst negative consequences of cannabis come from prohibition, right? So if you've got a bust, oh man, it is a giant drag, but also just... Is your partner complaining a lot? Are the things that you had planned in life just not happening? Those aren't like kidney disease, right? It's not like the negative consequences of alcohol where you've got no liver, but it's I don't get the chance to flourish. I'm not really getting to participate in life quite the way I wanted. And then a lot of the items on these problem scales, uh, independent of legal things, are not horrendous, right? It's not addicted in the, in the classic way, but just, uh, you catch yourself worrying if you're going to run out, right? If you have to go to a family function, do you have to get high? I've by the case, right? These kinds of little incidents that just let you know, I want to think about this because in many ways it's a relationship with the plant and it's always going to be there for you. But if it's interrupting your development of social skills or how you keep friends, maybe it's time to experiment with smaller amounts less frequently and just see how it goes. And clinically, I find the folks who are the most motivated are the ones who have something that they really want to do and that cannabis is getting in the way. And it doesn't necessarily mean abstinence is the goal. It just means I want to be the chooser. I want to pick the times I get high. I don't want to feel like I've got to get high. Makes some sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Dan, did you have um, a cannabis bingo before when, when Mitch was running down those uh, concerns?
1: <laughs> I mean, I've certainly run into some of those, uh, those type of issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. And I, I do think uh, that's one of the interesting things about the high THC level controversies and things. It's, it's, you know, if you can use less cannabis, uh that's a good thing, you know, and I think uh it's it's strange to police higher THC levels in different ways than you do lower levels. I mean, it, the same as I've always wondered why, you know, an ounce can be legal, but a pound can't. <laughs> you know, where do they think that ounce is coming from? Uh, it's just, uh and there's a lot of strange uh, things in the law and also just in how we perceive uh, you know, recreational and medicinal
2: use of, of cannabis and, and other drugs. And uh, speaking of that, while we have you, we were running a little long, but we wanted to get this one in before we let you go. Dan and I were talking about this just before uh, you joined us. So recently, uh, Dr. Carl Hart, who uh, is a professor at Columbia University and a, and a drug advocate, to um, you know simplify what he has been all about um, and written about. He recently came out and uh, and it, it admitted to using heroin recreationally as much as like 10 days in a row and then stops. He likes to do lines by the fireplace, he said. So from uh, one psychology professor to another, um, we wanted to get your take on uh, Dr. Carl Hart's recreational heroin use. And also he um, he likes to do um, ecstasy on occasion and even uh, methamphetamines.
0: Uh, truth be told, I've met Carl. I use his book and not, not the popular press one, his academic book in my class. He's super scholarly. He understands research. He's a very intriguing presenter. I'm not stunned that the guy can use drugs recreationally and not have a lot of negative consequences i certainly can't imagine that mdma a few times a year is going to have some kind of serious cognitive impact why do we freak out about the opiates at least a subset of us have this dopamine receptor gene that means wow it can grab your ass right so i had knee surgery and i had some Vicodin and I have some opiate abusers in the family and I realized, Oh my God, I see how you could get strung out on this. I'm guessing that Carl doesn't really have that instantaneous drive for more when he is using it. And the guy's an adult who's an expert in this domain. I can trust him to decide if it's starting to get problematic to lay it down for a while. When you've got as many publications as Carl Hart, right? If you can, Get a, a advanced degree in psychopharm or whatever it is he's got. Do that part first, then see if you can be a heroin chipper, you know, <laughs> and I think that that way folks can essentially say, all right, obviously the chipping heroin was not the critical part of his career. Critical part was studying hard, getting work done, producing good research, and things like that. Yeah, for me, what was interesting is, uh, first of all, the book it, that
1: that you know that he said this in is called "Drug Use for Grownups: mm-hmm. uh, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear." So, you know, even in the title of the book, he's basically saying that there's, you know, the, f- many individuals can use recreational drugs and have a positive effect. Uh, And also that, you know, journalists, some journalists and some researchers overstate the harms of recreational drug use. And what was interesting to me is that, you know, he mentions that, you know, uh, journalists overstate this. And that's exactly what happened because he this became the crux of what the reporting uh, about the book is, is, oh, here's this uh, Columbia professor who says he uses heroin. And that's the headline. The argument that he's making is that exact thing is that this is overstated and here they are overstating it in, you know, covering his book and his situation. So it just, you know, I just think we're so stuck in this strange prohibitionist mentality where we want to protect people from themselves and and keep people from doing something to their own bodies that may or may not be helpful for them. Uh, So it's just it's it's a strange Place to be, and I think hopefully we're we're working our way out of it. It kills
0: us in the prevention field though, because literally if you if you lie to a kid man, I mean they're already mad enough about Santa Claus, right? Completely botched your whole uh credibility. So um if I say, hey, methamphetamine is really addictive and just not good for you biologically, but before I said marijuana gives you cancer or makes you an amotivated slug or something. They know people who use marijuana who don't have cancer and are amotivated slugs, right? So suddenly everything else I say is no longer going to be taken seriously. And I think Carl's point is the truth will set you free, right? Tell them the truth. But the bottom line is it ends up being about relationships. I don't tell other people what to do, but I can ask them what they want and we can brainstorm about what the path is. And it may not include lines of heroin by the fire.
2: Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And, uh, you know, in our society, there's still quite a stigma around uh, opiate use. And he's a brave man to come forward and sort of um, put his money where his mouth is here. And uh, yeah, we wanted to get your take. Thank you for that. Thank you for everything. Dr. Oh, Thank you for coming on the show. Once again, could you just tell our listeners if they want to get a hold of you or see what you're up to, how they could do that
0: online? If you do have a question or comment or you want to be one of the single cases in a cannabis assisted psychotherapy uh, home trial, uh, I'm at 420research at gmail.com. That's the numbers 420 with the word research at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from people. Awesome.
2: Thanks so much, Dr. Mitch. We'll have you back on soon. Uh, Everyone else, please stick around. There's lots more Grow bud Yourself after this. all right hey we're back that was that was dr mitch great talk yeah absolutely interesting stuff he always has a a unique insight and he's starting to look a bit like a yogi which i really appreciate
1: (laughs) absolutely we gotta we gotta pop him up on the video on the patreon page one of these days yeah uh, so people can see uh (laughs) the good doctor i dig it (laughs) absolutely uh, we should take a break and get right to the interview because I'm so excited to have uh, Shiloh Massive, our old friend uh, from Massive Creation Seeds, uh, longtime grower in the Emerald Triangle, uh, Mendocino and all of that, and his lovely wife, Taylor Blake, who is the associate producer of the Emerald Cup. Uh, so yeah, the a pot power couple on the show that we're very excited about. So Without further ado, why don't we take a break and come back with Taylor and Shiloh. Hey, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible THC-infused relief rub. Uh, and now this stuff really works. And uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast, and she needs very, very strong topicals uh so the relief rub is the strongest topical i've ever tried check them out on instagram at excelsior extracts all one word uh dm them for info on the relief rub if you're interested and uh, give them a follow uh they're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products so thank you to excelsior extracts now back to the show all right welcome back you guys and we have a special treat today on grow bud yourself uh a a power couple in the cannabis world uh we have taylor blake who is the associate producer of the emerald cup uh an amazing event uh that we will be talking about as well and her husband shiloh of shiloh massive creations and massive creation seeds um so welcome taylor and shiloh
3: Thanks for having us.
4: Yeah, we're so excited to be here.
1: Yeah, no, this is a pleasure for me because, uh, you know, my whole career kind of comes full circle right now. Some one of the first gardens I ever visited in California was uh, was Shiloh's Garden. Uh, this must have been two thousand three or four, maybe two thousand five, somewhere. Yeah. P- pretty far back yeah. <laughs> in time, uh, and. And you were already growing big even way back then. Uh, and I just remember being amazed at um, the size of the plants that you had growing and also the techniques that you were using at that time. So um, tell us a little bit about your history in uh, the Emerald Triangle.
3: Well, you know, those plants, actually, That just to mention that, yeah, a lot of people that year that you came up, um, those plants were monsters. People still refer to them as some of the biggest safes. And I remember your article uh, the quote, Bob Marley, uh, small axe, big tree, was in the article, and uh, there was a picture of an axe back there. But yeah, we've been friends a long time. So not to be too long about it, you know, I've just always loved ganja. I went to college. I'm a Spartan, San Jose State, and uh, I used to come up to this area. Well, we used to get our weed from this area, you know, because it's always been famous. And uh I'm just like, man, I want to live up there and grow ganja, you know, every time. And then I just guess after saying that enough times I manifested that and, uh, I moved to the glorious Emerald Triangle to grow cannabis. And I've been here, you know, close to 20 years, probably.
1: Absolutely. Um, and now what about massive creations? When did that come about and, uh, and tell us a little bit about massive
3: creations, you know, um you might, you know, but some of the listeners, might. I've, you know, I had a long history in, in the cannabis, uh, space and creating things and leaving things behind and, uh, um, metamorphosizing into something greater or, or, or maybe not so greater, but, um, I had, I, it came out of the dust of, uh, breaking up with the uh, dying breed seeds. You know, we had that running for close to 10 years and, uh, you know, we just split apart and, um, went separate ways. So, you know, I just started my, my own thing. What was that? Like four years ago, maybe four years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was kind of slow starting out of that. Cause I think people were a little bit confused on, on what's, what was going on and what happened, but, you know, it's starting to pick up a lot of momentum, massive creations and, uh, really excited, you know, on, on the things we've been doing. Um, for the last few years working on it. I brought a new team on uh, to work on some sales and stuff. So, you know, we're getting a lot more exposure out there. Um, Got some things going, licensing in in the legal Cali market, also in Oklahoma, um, similar licensing projects and consulting. So, of course, we're in Barcelona and and Europe. So, yeah, you know, it's just uh, growth, um, self-growth and uh, my growth in the cannabis, cannabis world.
1: Right on. That's awesome. Um, so Taylor, tell me a little bit about your connection to, uh, the triangle, uh, the cup and, um, just, you know, growing up and, and, and cannabis
4: um so i yeah i grew up in in santa cruz that's where um I, I was born and then my dad moved up here like 30 years ago so he's he's been a long time uh emerald triangle laytonville resident and so that's really how i kind of became integrated into the the emerald triangle or particularly mendocino because that's where i spent the most amount of time but um <laughs> Yeah, he started the Emerald Cup 17 years ago in Laytonville. and so I went there for the first time um, four years after its inception, and I saw it, and I was just kind of blown away by the fact that they were having this um, cannabis contest in the middle of nowhere, and the, just the reception and the people there and everything—it was just so magnetic and exciting that I was like, "What is this? I want to be a part of it." And so I've been a part of it ever since, and so this will be my um, 13th year with the cup, and. Um, we're doing a, a digital contest award show, just in the era of COVID. Trying to um, just trying to keep ourselves out there. It's so it's so hard right now for everybody. So you just kind of have to be creative. But yeah, I've been I've lived up here. We've lived you've lived up here a long time. But I've lived um, in Willis-
3: You Can't Texas. forget mom your mom's side of the family as well. You have oh roots, yeah, roots on both sides of the family. In Minnesota. I <laughs> yeah, my I, heavy roots on the other side as well. Um,
4: I have, my mom has a cousin okay. that live, um out on Sherwood Ranch. And so I've been going there ever since I was like a baby, but that's, yeah. So it's, it was destined to be that. I just lived in Willits basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, I always, you know, was very jealous of Emerald Cuff never really got to participate. I was with high times all those years. And uh, I just thought that, you know, it was really interesting philosophy that your dad brought to the event as, as far as, shining a light so to speak on sun grown cannabis uh organically grown cannabis and beyond organically grown and also giving the judges a good amount of time you know like uh a month or so instead of like a week or so uh just felt like uh you know an amazing kind of event that grew greater every year and i think i'm just the 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 musical talent that was appearing at those events as well just really incredible bookings that you guys were able to secure and as you mentioned I guess that's uh changed now due to covid but you guys just got done handing out a uh, a bunch of samples for Emerald Cup 2021 is that correct yeah
4: we wish that you were um in california so you could be a judge with us um but yeah we just we're in the we're hot in the middle of judging right now all of the categories are Because there's about um, 10 different separate judging pool um, teams, and they're all judging their categories right now. So we're really excited to see who the winners are. Some of the um, contests are really close. So it's going to be really cool to see who comes out on top this year. And um, yeah, we have like April and Bobby, their hydrocarbon judges this year. Super happy to have them on.
1: That's awesome. And also, I noticed Be Real is a judge. That's cool. That's super cool. Uh, From Cypress Hill.
4: Yeah, he's a flower judge. And so
1: I'm assuming the award show is going to be a virtual kind of uh, online experience. Can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, we... um... It's so interesting because we've been we were trying so hard to make it in person and we held out until the last minute because we were like, well, at least have the contestants. we well, at least have the judges. we well, at least have 100 people there, you know, and then just as things progress, we just realized that everyone's safety is our first um, and foremost, most important priority. And so um, we're going to be broadcasting the award show in April, April 11th. And we're going to have a lot of really cool, different ideas and fresh music and speakers and just things included into it. So it'll feel kind of like a little Emerald Cup. But the cool thing about it is that for some people that have never been able to attend the Emerald Cup in person, this will be your first real taste of it because we've never really done something like this where we put it online so everybody could see it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, uh, you got to make the best of it. And I think, you know, you'll have people participating from throughout the entire world, uh, which I think is is an interesting take on things. You know, you'll have people, uh, I would imagine, from every country on Earth, uh, tuning in to check that out. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, cool. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, now, Shiloh, uh, tell me a little bit about just um, growing in the Emerald Triangle or in Mendocino, and kind of, you know, what type of techniques. Uh, you guys developed over the years or strains or anything like that, that uh, really makes the area unique?
3: Well, you know, it used to be a lot more fun, you know, we used to run around (laughs) down dirt roads and like play uh, hide and seek with the cops and all that shit. But, uh, you know, um, growing up here, you know, I've usually kept it really organic and, and, and tried to implement a more natural way to, to, to grow weed, you know, without PGRs and, uh, stuff like that. Um, it's really exciting to see, you know, the growth of the industry and also disheartening. There's, you know, some setbacks in it, but it's, it's cool to see all these people that held out up here having legal businesses and, and you drive through the Hills and, and these people are still, you know, farming cannabis in Mendo. And I think what makes Mendo so special is all the different microclimates and, uh, you know, you got your, your dudes out in cheese straight killing it, and then you got your dudes up on Iron Peak, and and you know that their their weeds, you know, different, and they do it different ways. But it's it's like a lot of a lot of different stuff going on here, you know, in Mendo. It's just not Mendo. So um, you got your coastal growers, and uh, I, I I just work more just uh, right now on selections and stuff. I, I don't really grow too much. Um, production so um my techniques might be a little different than a lot of people you know i got some production partners now that do a lot of the farming you know a big shout out to vital grown uh, vital organics and uh yeah most of my stuff is just small uh dialing in the lines and you know trying to trying to breed some stuff that i like to smoke too much of this weed out there is the fake cake you know you got all this weed and it's like smoke that shit and you're just like, damn, what was I gonna do? And then, you know, I like from the era when we used to smoke when there was like, you know, more of like sativas and stuff, uh, you you you, you get high and you want to do something. So I'm trying to get some more energetic weed out there, some like truck driver weed, you know, <laughs> like that cornbread mafia weed.
1: Yeah, for so. sure. Right. Uh, I mean that's the one thing I would say about the region as well is that you just for 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 a long time many years decades you couldn't get away with growing any boof in the area uh just because the 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 quality just had to be top notch and you talked about the microclimates as well you have to kind of dial in for where you are uh but talk a little bit about some of the strains that you've got out there i know the lemon hammer is super popular
3: we just we just dropped 10 strains um some of them new some of them not um What's on there? Hibiscus Ice—that's a real winner. The Bobby Dazzler, Bobby Dazzler's Peanut Butter Breath, uh, uh, Sunday Driver um, by Pineapple Thai Master Kush, and the Pineapple Thai Master Kush is an F3 male, so that—that's a really exciting one. Look at—we brought it up. You know, the Gasserita, the Gasserita is another one. The Black Lime Hindu Skittles OG. Um, You know, that weed hits like 98, but that one, you know, a lot of people want the purple weed. So we got a whole lot of purple weed too. Now purple made a huge comeback. So there's the grape gaudy, there's a purple panther, there's a grape gack, um, sour apple melon, you know, there's just Bobby Dazzler. Everyone's loving the Bobby Dazzler. Um, Yeah. And then I'm going to drop a whole, whole new list on, on 420. We got the Draco, Sex and Candy, Buddhist Stargate. Um, so, yeah, there's there's uh, about 15 strains available right now. Um, give a shout-out to my email, massivecreations23 at gmail.com. Any information you want, you can just tap in there. We're ready to, uh, you know, field all your needs for seeds. Do bulk, too. We got a whole menu in 30 days of uh, autoflower seeds coming out. Heavy on the runs crosses. Everyone loves the runts. We got yeah, it's too much to too much to mention on that. So wow, just
1: thirty days away too. Lots of people are looking for both these days, uh, and it's you know it's good to know a place you can you can point them yeah with quality. So let me
3: touch on this too. Um, Europe TH Seeds, you know our old friends there, TH Seeds. So uh, we did some collabs over the last few years, you know, um, with them, and it turned into a whole line with TH Seeds, the Bastards line. A lot of FEM seeds. We have the melon sickle and, uh, you know, a couple other heavy banana strains in FEM, too, available in the EU. So that's cool and exciting. Um, Should check that out. Available Pure Sativa, Attitude Seed Bank. Um, Yeah, it's an exciting year because, you know, it's been slow and a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, I got the legal pre-roll coming out in the Cali market massive joints um that's with vital distro again and that should be available next week it's going to drop in, in la as well as norcal so working on some other cool projects too that i don't want to talk about too much like more in the development stages <laughs> not so much just running around in my backyard growing ganja anymore uh, i'm a businessman you know what i mean yeah
4: I, we have a good
3: we got a huge whiteboard you know we're doing emails and sending faxes and stuff
1: that's great that's great um taylor can you talk a little bit just about the evolution of emerald cup and like uh you said you've been there you've been involved for the last 13 years it started 17 years ago um by your dad tim blake um can you just talk a little bit about uh emerald cup over the years from your perspective? yeah,
4: um, it's it's actually really funny because Sh- Shiloh was at like one of the original Emerald Cups. So First he's, Emerald Cup. He was going to him before I was, which is something that we have as a debate inside of our household. But um, we <laughs> we it started out as just a friendly competition amongst growers in Mendocino and. We were at, um, Tim's property, my dad's property in Laytonville until 2011, 2012 was the first year we went to the Mateel. So we went up to Humboldt for one year because it just started to get to that point where it was just getting a little bit too big for us to do it at his property. And so then we went to, um, Humboldt, the Mateel, and we thought this was going to be our forever home. We were like, this is it. Like, this is just where we're going to be. And then, um, John Vergado's from Skunk Magazine. He had told Tim that he was like, "I think you should go bigger. I think you should go to uh, to like the fairgrounds." And Tim never thought that was like a good size. So, we just went on a limb and we went to the Sonoma County Fairgrounds, and it was mind blowing. I think once you take that big leap in any business choice, and you kind of just sort of put yourself out there. It's a wild ride because it could go many ways. And when people show up to an event, I know, I'm sure this happens to you just in any like experience with high times events, when people actually show up, you're like, there are people here we don't know. And they're here to go to the event. It's like such an amazing feeling because it just goes to show that, you know, people are supporting the event that you're throwing. And um, so we Um, since 2013 have been at Sonoma County Fairgrounds in um, Santa Rosa, California. And so um, just the evolution of the event, it's definitely been along for the ride of legalization in California because we were an event before that. And so seeing the progression of that, we've been along for the highs and the lows, but um, yeah, we're really just excited about getting back to in-person events.
3: It's just cool to see because it's been So influential in building the California market. Really, if you look at it, how many brands have jumped off from that. And uh, this year, just to persevere through all that, uh, the COVID, and to bring out this whole new uh, virtual thing that, you know, if we go back to meeting in person and everything, I think the virtual thing will still be a part of it because, like you said, yourself, you're excited to, you know, you're excited to watch it all the way over there. So um, it's cool to see this team you know, stay with it this year. So
1: that's amazing. Well, you know, as someone who's traveled around the world and partied with you guys in uh, Hawaii and Amsterdam and Spain and everywhere, it it really uh, is just an honor to have you on the show. And uh, it's been a pleasure to, you know, watch you guys, you know, evolve and, um, but also let people know how they can uh, find out more about the Emerald Cup and also about uh, Massive Creations
3: massive creations. I'm on IG massive underscore creations underscore one. Um, that's pretty much what I'm running right now or the email massive creations, 23 at Gmail. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can answer all your questions there. Um, appreciate your love and support and uh, hope you guys buy some seeds and we can grow together.
4: There you go. So, um, for Emerald cup. It's just our websites, the Emerald And then we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the award show is going to take place April 11th. And we received, um, just a little bit over 600 entries this year. So you'll be seeing who, who takes the cake, uh, uh, April 11th.
1: That's amazing. And, and, uh, tell people a little bit about, uh, what, what you've got planned for that award show. Uh, it's April 11th, uh, over 600 entries, uh, a bunch of different categories, Um, So you'll be announcing the winners, and is there any other additional kind of... performances or, or panels?
4: There are going to be um, performances and panels, which will we'll, we will be announcing shortly. Um, one of the things I can talk about for sure, which is interesting is we've never, this is our first year ever having indoor as a category. We've always been just a sun-grown cannabis event. And so this year we have indoor for the first time. And not only do we bring indoor, but we also brought this best in show category. So basically the winner of Sun Grown Cannabis, the winner of Mixed Light and the winner of Indoor are going to go head to head. So the best of those three are going to the judges are going to pick who wins that Mm. one. And that person's going to get best in show. And so we're all very interested to see because it's kind of like that final like battle royale to see who takes who takes the top.
1: Well, (laughs) hey, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Taylor and Shiloh, um, really appreciate you guys coming on as guests. I know you're very busy. Getting the uh the entries out to all the people. It's an amazing amount of entries and judges and congratulations on everything. Thank you Thanks you so
3: much. All right, guys. Thanks Bye, for having Danny. us.
1: Absolutely. Take care, you guys. Bye. Hey guys, Grow Bud Yourself is so proud to be sponsored by Sweet Leaf Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic and synthetic nutrients, uh, amazing amendments, great stuff on their website. And using the code DANCO15, you can get 15% off of everything at sweetleaf.com. That's S U I T E L E A F. They have amazing organic fertilizers, amendments, indoor hydroponic grow tent kits. Uh, smell-proof bags, duffel bags, all kinds of backpacks and an incredible line of newts that work wonderfully with cannabis. We got a great promotion going on with Patreon where we're giving away Sweetleaf nutrients at those different levels and lots of promo codes there as well. So we are just super psyched to have Sweetleaf on as a sponsor for the show and we hope that you will also support them. Join us on our Patreon page for some free newts And check out their site, sweetleaf.com, for nutrients and more. All right. Welcome back. And uh, so great to have uh, Taylor and Shiloh on the show for you guys. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the interview there.
2: Yeah, they got a lot going on right now. So we appreciate them spending a little time with us absolutely and i'm uh, definitely looking forward to checking out that virtual emerald cup
1: online i think that's by the time we get to april there's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff involved in that and that's going to be the place to be on that day so and our, our colleague
2: bobby black actually is a judge bobby and april yes bobby and april another
1: yeah. another can another can a couple out there killing it crushing
2: that's right But uh, we have now entered the cultivation segment here on Grow Bud Yourself, and uh, it has been a fortnight, which of course means it is time now for Strain of the Fortnight. Strain of the Fortnight. So what do you got?
1: Yes. This one for this fortnight is called M.O.B. or actually Mother of Berries. This is a big East Coast legend. Uh, This was brought to TH Seeds uh, into Amsterdam by a friend of theirs from Boston, uh, a friend of ours. Uh, The MOB is a, you know, a real indica dominant plant, fast, short, and fat. Uh, And about seven to eight week flowering time. So really tight, short flowering time. Uh, Decent producer. You can find this feminized or regular, I believe. Uh, and when you look at it, it's really pretty. It's got some purple, some pink colors, uh, lots of terpenes, great hash-making strain. Uh, like a lot of indicas, it just really washes well when you give it a cold bath. Um, the smell and the taste is very unique. A lot of our Maine friends will will know this strain really well. Uh, Mother of Berries, or MOB, is very popular Uh, up in the uh, northeast. The crazy thing about it is it's really like a powerful indica. Very much uh, will forget your keys. I think the first time I smoked it uh, with the THC guys over in Amsterdam, their version uh, that they got from over here, uh, we were on our way to the airport from uh, five minutes away and almost missed our flight (laughs) just driving around. Uh, after smoking this strain so uh, yeah MOB it actually has won some awards over in Europe and you can get it pretty cheaply uh, from Amsterdam Seed Supply Uh, and you know that's a good way to get TH Seeds in America if you can't uh, find a distributor and it's as little as like what 25 euros for a couple of seeds 50 euros for 5 so uh, you can try it out for yourself and see what you think but like I said, it's a really, uh, a really nice indica, and you know they've been working with it for a long time, so it's very stable. Uh, Doug says you know it's bomb weed and really almost hundred percent indica, which a lot of times people, uh, it's hard to find something that's like that much. You know you can f- sometimes finish flowering in 42 to 55 days uh, with the MOB. Uh, Mother of Berries is our strain of the fortnight. Hope you guys enjoy. Check out uh, TH Seeds for more info on the strain. So
2: there you have it, the MOB. All right. Excellent strain of the Fortnite, MOB. Okay, so now our listeners know that each week you like to uh, give a little tip that will help people become better growers. So uh, what would you like to discuss this week?
1: Yes. So today I want to talk about air filtration Uh, specifically with the intention of odor control. Um, All the air that you remove from your grow space uh, should all go through an activated charcoal filtration system to remove odors. This is, like, pretty much mandatory. I mean, even if you live in a legal place, even if you love the smell of cannabis wafting throughout uh, your neighborhood, I think it's important that, you know, A, that you're pulling air out, uh, preferably from up above your grow light system, Uh, so that you're pulling hot spent air out uh, and you're pulling it through charcoal filtration. Now, uh, there's other things that can mask odor that are out there, uh, but charcoal filtration, activated charcoal, is essential to cleaning the smell out of the air. Um, So you want a vent fan with cubic feet per minute rating that's going to remove and replace the air in your room within five minutes. Remember that every bend that you have in your tubing Is going to slow that air down, and then once it hits that charcoal filter, that's going to slow it down as well. So, factor that in. Um, Attach that tubing to your charcoal filter so that all the spent air passes through that filter. And another really important thing you have to remember is that your charcoal filter has a shelf life, so uh, the life of the charcoal filtration varies greatly based on the size of your room and usage. Um, a good rule of thumb is not to run them more than two years. Most manufacturers will tell you to change the filters, you know, which, which is the activated charcoal, uh, the carbon filtration, every 18 to 24 months, no matter what. Um, if you have a big room with exhaust blowing through the filter 24 hours a day, you may want to replace your filter every calendar year. Uh, you just got to remember that the pores between the pieces of activated charcoal. Eventually they become filled with odor particles, moisture, dust, uh, bugs, other particulates um, that will also limit the ability of your charcoal to clean that outgoing air and slow that air down. Uh, now, rather than replacing and repacking the, the new activated charcoal yourself, I recommend purchasing a replacement filter, installing it according to the manufacturer's instructions, uh, because unless you're an expert in how to pack these filters properly properly, Uh, without avoiding air pockets and things like that 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 really mess with the efficiency, Uh, do yourself a favor and stick to the manual. But just remember to replace uh, the filters uh, as needed and keep them them clean, and they will keep your odors to a bare minimum.
2: Okay, very good. Uh, So that was the uh, grow tip here in the cultivation segment, but now it is time to move on to our grow Q&A section. And uh, if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also reach us on Patreon and YouTube and the socials. Uh, What do you say we jump in here? Let's do it. All right. Let's start off with Tony, uh, who writes from Nova Scotia, Canada. Hey, guys. Love the show. I was wondering if you have any tips on how to keep pH levels stable from day to day. Uh, I grow in living soil with my blue mat, set up for watering. It feeds from my 5 gallon reservoir. The res has 2 airstones in it and a small pump for circulation. I'm using RO water that has a pH around 7.4. I'm using lemon juice to lower the pH, but I find that I have to keep adding some every day because the pH keeps creeping back above 7. Can you recommend a more stable form of pH down? Is this a trait of ro water or the lemon juice thanks so much so um hmm. what would you say to tony
1: yeah that's interesting uh ph does tend to creep uh in you know directions like that like to creep up in some places to creep down in others uh i you know as far as using lemon juice obviously it's acidic uh, but i'm not quite sure uh how quickly it's going to evaporate and how effective it is at um, being a constant pH down. So I would recommend just getting the pH down you buy at the, uh, the grow shop, you know, that's just the standard pH down. Uh, but another thing you can do is automate the pH so that, uh, if you can afford it, you can have sensors that are inside that reservoir. Um, and that will basically automatically either, uh, You know, you can set them to raise the parts per million of your reservoir. You can set them to change uh, the temperature and you can set them to adjust pH. Um, And, you know, in the big grows that I see, a lot of these big reservoirs, they have these type of units that just maintain the pH at a certain level constantly. And they'll just add up or down uh, based on what's necessary. But um, I would just get the pH that you get at the grow shop and uh, use that to lower your pH and hopefully that'll be a little more stable than using lemon juice um, which you know that may or may not be the best way to lower pH in a reservoir so uh, my recommendation yeah and as far as it being a trait of RO water or lemon juice um, the lemon juice could just be less stable in that way and and not have the ability to keep keep the pH down uh, where you need it to be. But as I said, d- it does tend to creep in, in, in that direction. So, uh, you just got to stay on top of it. But I do think if you get uh, pH down from the shop, it'll, uh, it'll stabilize it a little for a longer period of time than the juice.
2: All right. Makes sense. Uh, thank you, Tony. We hope that helps. Uh, let's move on to Turp Hunter who writes, Hey, Mike and Danny, I'm thinking about adding some coconut water during the flowering period of an upcoming auto-run, thinking it might be an easy way to add cytokinins and sugars along with my other organic 284 castings and kelp meal feeding. Wondering if you've heard anything about this. So uh, what would you say there to Turp Hunter?
1: Yeah, no, that's interesting. I really haven't heard too much about people feeding with coconut water. Uh, I would assume that you'd want to dilute it, obviously, uh, but I can't see it being a negative but I will ask our uh, friends at Dragonfly Earth Medicine. I think they they would know best about that type of thing. Or maybe some of our cultivator friends in Hawaii uh, who have lots of access to coconuts. But that's interesting. I I, I think, uh, you know, I think that's definitely it's the first time I've heard of it. But it's definitely something worth looking into. So thank you, Turp Hunter.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. We hope that helps you out. And uh, yeah, we should ask... The dragonfly, earth medicine folk. Let's uh, let's do one more here. Actually, before we do that, where where, where do you land on coconut water? I love it. I think it's great. I, I'm like the only person who doesn't like this stuff. It's very frustrating. <laughs> I can't do it.
1: All right. Wow. I oh, know. Anyway, even the ones with like chunks of coconut in it that you get to chew while you're like drinking. Oh, so like that, chunks that of sounds coconut even
2: worse. Like it sounds I like pulp and like orange it. juice. I, yeah. <laughs> it may just not be for me.
1: <laughs> no. I love coconut water, coconut milk. Yeah. All
2: right. Let's do one more here. This is our friend uh, Gunja Gonzalez, and he writes, "Dear, Dan- uh Dear Danny and Mike, Your podcast is awesome and by far my favorite and uh, not only among podcasts that touch on topics concerning cannabis. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Gunja. I have some questions that are not directly grow questions, but I hope you were so kind to answer them anyway. I mostly have been smoking strains like Northern Lights and Cushes because I had a bad experience with anxiety during my teens with more cerebral strains. Uh, Recently, I stumbled upon Blue Dream. And, I th- and uh, though I had trouble finding the right dose the first few times, it became my favorite strain because of its cerebral effect. Um, now, what are similar strains that have slightly stronger cerebral effects compared to other strains? How strong is the cerebral effect of Blue Dream? Interesting stuff. What, what would you say to Gunja Gonzalez? Yes, uh, I have found that a lot of
1: people do uh, turn to strains such as blue dream for that cerebral effect, uh, as you described. And I think, um, if I were going to sort of group strains into that family, I would have, uh, blue dream, obviously in there. I would have, uh, Jack Herrer, uh, a lot of sativa dominant, but non haze strains. So something like Cali mist from the old days, uh, a par- I think that's a paradise seed strain. Um, Or, uh, you know, even some of the like super silver haze, uh, lemon super lemon haze. Uh, I think the sativa dominance gives uh, a lot of strains that cerebral effect, Uh, and of course, there's a lot of different terpenes and combinations and cannabinoids that work in conjunction with that. But uh, I, I I understand that, and and I think strawberry cough also fits into that realm as well as like a sativa that's not necessarily that spicy haze uh that most sativas tend to be uh and th- those are the ones that tend to to for me to be, have that cerebral effect um so jack her uh blue dream um strawberry cough uh super lemon haze those those are those i would group together as um very cerebral effects and then you you have more you know you have your uh you know Lester Grinspoon the Grinspoon strain is is very cerebral but as you mentioned uh, you had issues with anxiety and if you go a little too cerebral uh the anxiety can kick in so you want to find the one that 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 uh gives you that head rush and that uh electricity without um you know sending you into uh panic attack or anything like that so um thank you gunja for the question and uh, you know keep keep searching for that perfect strain for you
2: you yeah, know and I've heard that um, you know a higher ratio of uh, CBD with the THC can kind of help reduce the anxiety
1: yes absolutely and they even have now uh, blue dream uh, CBD versions of blue dream uh, that may be even more beneficial or if you, if you mix that with some of your higher THC strains it'll uh maybe temper the anxiety a bit but uh still allow you to feel those that head high
2: all right good stuff thank you gunja thank you to everybody who wrote in uh, if you are listening and you have a question that you would like answered on this show get in touch with us uh, you could email us that is info at growbudyourself.com um we're gonna take a little break come back and then wrap this up what do you think let's do it
1: All right, we are back, and I think it's time for the wrap.
2: Time to wrap it up.
1: Yes, indeed. Well, wow, what a show, you guys. Uh, thank you to GJ Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Uh, thanks to Taylor and Shiloh. What an awesome interview. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Check them out on Instagram. Check out the THC Infused Pain Rub. Sweetleaf Nutrients are long time. Uh, friends and family over there. Uh, Check out Sweetleaf, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com for deals on nutrients and lots, lots more. Use that code, DENKO15 for 15% off over there. Uh, Diamond Cut Trimming Scissors, they are the best scissors on the market. And uh, there is a code there as well, DENKO20 for 20% off everything at Diamond Cut. And Vapor.com, where you can use the code GBY, the initials of Grow Bud Yourself, GBY, for 15% off of all your vaporizer needs, glass needs, uh, rolling paper needs, accessories, everything indeed at Vapor.com. So there you have it, you guys. Episode 43. Mike, how you feeling?
2: You know, a lot better now.
1: Well, wow. Uh, jam-packed episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with more. Join our Patreon page, subscribe on YouTube, uh, support the show in any way you can, spread the love, and keep it green, you guys. Stay healthy, stay solid, and stay high. Episode 43, let's put it in the books.